Well, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24, we're continuing, of course, our study of the gospel of Matthew, and Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews, and we're seeing really the last week of his life before he goes to the cross to die for us on the cross to pay for sin and rise again to conquer death, being the savior of the world. We saw last time that his disciples, as they were coming out of the city, basically coming out of Jerusalem, fixing to go across to uh, across the Kidron Valley up to the to the Mount of Olives, and that's where they were going. They looked up and said, boy, that temple is really amazing, and Jesus said it's going to all be destroyed. And they didn't really grasp it, and so when they got to the other side, four of them came and said to him, what is it? What is the sign of your coming? When will all this happen? What's going to be the end of the age? And so Jesus sitting on the Mount of Olives actually begins to teach him, and he's going to teach him about the time period called the tribulation. The tribulation time period is the time period is basically seven years right before Jesus comes as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we're going to see that. Just for, for our encouragement and understanding, we're the church, the body of Christ. Anyone in this room who has put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, we're part of the church. Before the tribulation ever happens, Jesus comes in the clouds and the church is taken off the face of the earth. The dead in Christ rise first. We are alive and remain, be caught up together. So what we talk about this morning where Jesus is teaching tribulation, those of us as believers, we will not be in that tribulation. But Jesus is teaching because he's talking about the end of the Jewish age. A lot of people get confused and they say when, when they were asking Jesus about the end of the age, they think maybe the church age. Well, the church hadn't even started yet when they ask Jesus this question. So the church age is going to end when Jesus comes in the cloud to get us. To get us, This age, this Jewish age, ends when Jesus comes at the end of the tribulation. So we're going to see how all that fits together this morning. Uh, he continues to give a lot more details last week, just a big overview this week, more details. Let, let me just tell you about, there's a book by a guy, a little pamphlet written by a man by the name of Aaron Klingerman. And he wrote, and he called it, Israel's 29 false messiahs. And he goes through history and he shows how throughout history that the Jewish people accepted certain people claiming that they were the messiah. The sad part is that 29 different times they've said this is the messiah. The one time the messiah came, Jesus, they missed him. But let me tell you, here's the book. I want to give you several of those. There was one in 434 AD. His name was Moses Christerus. He was claiming to be the Messiah. He was on the island of Crete where there was a large Jewish population. He claimed that he would go out, part the ocean, and the people would walk to freedom. A whole bunch of people followed him. They went right out into the ocean. Many of them were drowned, and then they couldn't find the guy. He disappeared forever. In 1167, there was a man claiming to be the Messiah. He lived in Arabia at that time. He said he could work miracles. One of the kings of one of the local areas challenged him and said, so you think you're the Jewish Messiah? And he said, yes. He said, give me a sign. And so this guy, his name was, he said, here's my sign. Cut off my head and I'll rise from the dead. So the Arab king cut off his head. And as they say, we're still waiting for him to come back. In 1174 AD, there was a guy by the name of David Almuser. He was in Monrovia. He claimed to be the Messiah, stirred up a lot of Jewish people. Some people followed him. He could do magic. He said he could make himself invisible, but he was put to death. You say, well, those kind of were old. Yeah, they were. They were long ago. But in New York City in 1994, there's a man by the name of Menachem Mendel Shearson. He was called the Rebbe, 
which is like another name for rabbi, but it's like the special one. He was considered spiritual leader. He lived in New York. By many Jewish people, he was considered to be the Messiah. He died when he was between 91, 92, somewhere in there. It was the year 1994, but he was 90-something years old, and they thought he was the Messiah. He died, but there's still Jewish people even today who said he didn't really die. He's alive somewhere, and he is the Messiah. The sad part is that the, the one Messiah, the true Messiah, is Jesus Christ. And he came and died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again, conquering death. And he offered, as we see in the Gospel of Matthew, to the Jewish people that he is their king and their savior. And so as we look this morning at Matthew 24, Jesus Christ teaches that in the time of the tribulation, there are going to be many people claiming to be the Christ and prophets and false messiahs and false prophets. And, we, and he's going to talk about this. And so in this book, in the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel, there's one man that stands out out of all of them. We know him as the Antichrist. He's going to come to be a world leader. He's going to make a peace pact with the nation of Israel. He's going to bring peace, or what he claims to bring peace, but ultimately he's the what we call the Antichrist. Jesus is going to go into details about that. So let me let me remind you of where we are. Jesus has uh, had come into Jerusalem riding on the donkey. That was the last time he offered himself as the king to Israel. He goes in the temple and cleanses the temple. Religious leaders come to him and they ask him all kind of questions. And he answers them all. Then he asks them a question they can't answer. And then with the crowd there, his disciples there, and the religious leaders, Jesus, what we saw in chapter 23, actually gives what he calls seven woes. And he really gets on the, the religious leaders. He calls them hypocrites. He says, they're not going to heaven. He says, you're not going to enter the kingdom and you stop other people from entering. And so it's really a, really a tough situation. When he got through with that, he ends by saying, you'll not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And what he's saying is the Jewish people are not going to see him again as the king until he comes as the king and they believe in him as the Messiah. So as they left the Jerusalem that day, they went out what we call the eastern gate. They began to go down the side of Mount Zion, across the Kidron Valley and up the Mount of Olives, most likely to the Garden of Gethsemane. And as they got there, Jesus is sitting there looking back across, and four of the disciples come to him, and they basically raised some questions because Jesus, as they were leaving, said the temple will be torn down. And that temple was incredible. It was incredible. Herod had helped build it. You know, we talked about it last week, and the building was just out of this world. I even had some pictures last week uh, of what the, you know, some drawings and things and some models of what they think the temple looked like. So when they get to the other side, they come to Jesus and they basically say, look, when is all this going to be? When there will be the destruction of the temple? What will be the signs of your coming, the end of the age, and your return as king? And remember, this is not church age. Church hadn't even started yet. This is the end of the Jewish age. I want to remind you of something we talked about last week. God promised the Jewish people 490 years. This is found in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. The 490 years started basically at the time of Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and he talked about that was around 444 BC. He promised that there would be 490 years given to Jewish people. At the 483-year mark, the Messiah would die. And so what we realize is that that exactly came true. At the 483-year mark, the Messiah died. So the Jewish people have used up 483 of the 490. They still have seven years left. 
Those seven years is what we call the tribulation, and that is the end of the age. Last week, we looked at verses 4 through 14, which is the big overview. Let me remind you of some things about the first coming of Jesus. He came, if you've noticed the cross, he came to the earth to die on the cross, pay for sin, rise again, and ascend it back to heaven. That's called his first coming to the earth. He will come a second time. If you can see it says second coming, he's coming down this way. You can see that he comes to the earth as the king of kings and lord of lords and sets up a kingdom. Those are the two comings of Jesus Christ. They're talking to Jesus right here before he dies on the cross and pays for sin. They're asking, what will be the end of the age? The church is not part of the promise to Israel. So Israel has used up at this point 483 years. They still have seven years left. That's the end of the age. So when they say to Jesus, what will be the end of the age? What will be the sign of your coming? This is going to be the tribulation time period that he's going to be talking about. So I wanted you to understand. So what we do is this. The first time Jesus came, he came, he was born in Bethlehem. He came to die. The second time he comes, he comes as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The first time the nation as a whole rejected Jesus Christ, they rejected and he died and rose again. The second time he comes, he's coming to reign. And what is so amazing, is that during the tribulation time period, the nation of Israel as a whole will believe in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So the first time he came, the nation as a whole rejected him. The second time he comes, the nation as a whole will believe in him. So it's going to be an amazing thing. Now let me just remind you of the other aspect of it, and that's us. This is the first coming, the cross. Second coming, coming down here. This is the church. This is us now, the body of Christ. One of these days, it could happen at any second. Jesus Christ would come in the clouds. We call this the rapture, and he will take us out. It says, the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. That's why we, the church, will not be part of this because this deals with the nation of Israel. We will be gone. And so for us, we say, wow, I'm glad we're not in that. That's exactly right because it's really dealing with the nation of Israel. Let me give you the background of the chapter of Matthew 24. We saw verses 1 through 14 last week. That's when they raised the questions, when will be the end of the age? This, this morning, we're going to see this section where we see the signs of Christ coming and all the things that are going to happen. Then we're going to see next week his actual coming, the coming of the King and the Messiah, to, uh, verses 29 and 31. And then we end it all by looking at a parable that Jesus gives, which is basically saying, please get ready. Now, as we start, I want you to remember the tribulation is seven years. Go back to Daniel 9, 24 through 27, and also the book of Revelation, chapter 6 through 19. If you were to go to the book of Revelation, you'll see this time period called the tribulation. Now, it's divided into two parts. We saw this last week. Here is seven years. It's divided into three and a half and three and a half. In the first three and a half years, this Antichrist man makes a peace pact with the nation of Israel as found in Daniel 9, 27. And so there'll be peace at the beginning, and then there's going to be all kind of trouble. Halfway through, this Antichrist puts his idol up in the temple, and so the second three and a half years is going to be what we call the Great Tribulation, in which there'll be suffered and death and persecution and everything else. So I want you to understand the Tribulation is divided into two parts, three and a half and three and a half. First three and a half years, there's wars, begins in peace, many people trust in Christ. The second three and a half years is what we call the Great Tribulation, where the believers are running for their lives. And let me just remind you that in the first three and a half years, God raises up 144,000 Jewish people who believe in Jesus Christ as Messiah and Savior, and they begin to spread the message. In the second half of the tribulation, the Antichrist is trying to kill any 
anyone who is a believer. And so everybody is running for their lives. And so it's some, some great things. Let me break down the passage for you this morning. We'll go through it fairly quickly. Uh, there's a lot in there, but we're going to see the abomination of desolation. That's in verses 15 through 22. I'll explain exactly what that is. Then we're going to see about false Christs and prophets, and that's 23 through 26. And then we end it with seeing the coming of the Son of Man. We won't get the details. That'll be next week and when we see that. Let me remind you one more time before we get into the study. Here is the first coming of Jesus Christ, the cross, where he died and rose again and ascended to heaven, and that's where he is seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. Not long after he ascended, ten days after he ascended, the church age began. That is us. Anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, whether you're Jewish or Gentile, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're part of the church. One of these days, Jesus is going to come in the clouds. There are no signs for Jesus to come get the church. There are many signs for his second coming. That takes place in the tribulation. There are no signs for Jesus to come get us. He'll come at any second. We'll be gone. After we're gone, there'll be a a peace pact made. It'll last for seven years. Remember, at the three-and-a-half-year mark, Antichrist puts his idol up in the temple. Then there'll be the second coming, and then the millennial kingdom, and then the eternal state. And we'll talk more about that uh, later on, but we just want you to see this part now. Uh, in Daniel 9, 24 through 27, Revelation chapter 6 through 19, it's the tribulation time period. Right in the middle, now here's the deal. In the middle, the Antichrist comes and claims to be God. Now let me show you again the chart. This is the start. We saw, we saw the whole thing last week when he gave all seven years in a big overview. In the first three and a half years, he makes a peace track. PD. He actually claims to be a good person. He comes, rises to power in the world and makes a peace pact with Israel. But in the middle, he claims to be God. He puts his idol up in the temple. It's called the abomination desolation. And he claims to be God. And then the whole rest of it, Jesus, the teaching we start today in verse 15, starts right there when he puts his idol up in the temple. And we'll see how that fits together. So look at verse 15, Matthew 24. Therefore, Jesus has been talking. Then he says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. He says, when you see the abomination desolation in the temple, that's when the Antichrist puts his idol up in the temple. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27 says he does that. In the middle of the seven years, he does that. Daniel chapter 12 says he'll be... how. He'll rule for 1,290 days. That's three and a half years. He goes into the holy place. And you may say, well, wait a minute. There isn't a temple in Jerusalem. No, there's not one. It hasn't been one since A.D. 70. But most likely sometime in the future, we don't know when, could be before we're gone, could be after we're gone, there's going to be a temple built in Jerusalem, and the Jewish people will go back to worshiping at the temple. And in the middle of the seven-year time period, this Antichrist man goes into the temple, sets up an idol that looks like him, and claims to be God and desires to be worshipped. Now, you may say, did Jesus talk about that? Yes, he did, and we're going to see it in the book of Revelation. But Paul also talked about it in 2 Thessalonians. He said this, and he's writing to these believers. He said, let no one deceive you, for it will not happen until the apostasy comes first. And then look. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man of lawlessness is the Antichrist. He is the son of of destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship because he's going to claim to be God. He takes his seat where? In the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. And then he writes to Thessalonians and says, don't you remember this? I, I told you when I was still with you. 
So one of these days, we're going to be gone. He's going to go into the temple, and he's going to claim to be God. Listen, this is in Revelation 13. Here's what it says. The dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. The dragon is the devil. I saw a beast coming up out of the sea. The beast is the Antichrist. Has ten horns, seven heads. On his horns were ten crowns, and on his heads were blasphemous names. Listen, the ten horns is the ten king federation that when the Antichrist comes to power, there's a ten king federation, and he ultimately becomes the leader of the ten king federation. The seven heads are the seven Gentile world empires. This is the seventh Gentile world empire. We'll explain it more. When we did the book of Daniel, we went into much more detail. I just want you to see that this man's coming to power and he claims to be God. In Revelation chapter 13, verses 5, 6, and 7, it says that he rules for 42 months, that's three and a half years, and he has arrogant words. I want you to see what it says in Revelation 13. There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months. How long is 42 months? It's three and a half years. He opened his mouth and blasphemed against God. Why? Because he claims to be God. He blasphemed his name and his tabernacle, those who dwell in heaven. It has given him to make war with the saints. He goes after the believers, those who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, to overcome them and authority over every tribe, every people, every tongue, and every nation. This is during the tribulation. This man comes to power, and he is horrible. And he's going to come to power and rule the world, and he's going to go after believers. Notice what it says again in verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Now he's saying, whoever's reading this at this time, one, either one who's explaining it or the one who's reading it, understand what's going on. This is, this is what God prophesied is going to happen. He tells people then to run for their lives. Look at verse 16. Those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. The Antichrist is going to try to kill. First of all, he's going to try to kill every Jewish believer. Now, we're going to see it more in just a minute, but at that time, if you follow the Antichrist, you take a mark of the beast, which is 666. We'll show you more in just a little bit about that. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not going to take the mark of the beast, so the Antichrist is going to try to kill you and, and tells for the Jewish people to run. And notice what it says, let them flee to the mountains. Now, what we know from Scripture, Isaiah chapter 16 says a place called Selah. It's in what is the country of Jordan today. It is in the southern part of Jordan. It is also called Petra. If you ever saw uh, Indiana Jones and uh, uh, the, the Holy Grail, that last one, they went into a city, if you remember. They went through the city, and they came through all these rocks, and then they came into a city that was in the wall. That's a true place. I have been there. They filmed that movie at a place called Petra, which is in Isaiah 16, which is Selah, which is we believe that that's the place the Jewish believers are to flee. They're to leave Jerusalem, run for their lives. That's what it says. And so he says, those who are in the Judea must flee to the mountains. He says, get out of there as fast as you can. And uh, uh, in Matthew 24, uh, 17, he says, go as fast as possible. Look at this. He says, those whoever's on the housetop must not go back to get, the, don't go down to get the things that are in the house. Who's ever in the field, don't turn back to get your coat. Run for your life. And so I want, to, I want to read something for you. You just hold right there, and I'm going to turn to Revelation chapter 13. 
And Revelation 13 is the, the events we're talking about where the Antichrist comes to power and chases after everybody. This is Revelation 13, verse 7. It says, It was given to him to make war with the saints to overcome them. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life. If you have trusted Jesus Christ, your name is in the book of life, you will not worship. Now, that's not talking to us. It's talking to people in the tribulation. They will not worship the Antichrist. Listen to this. It was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many who do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And let me tell you something. Here's what I think is going to happen. The temple is going to be rebuilt. At the three and a half year mark, the Antichrist is going to go into the temple and he's going to bring an idol, an image of himself. I think it's going to be a robot. I think it's going to be that uh, uh, artificial intelligence. I've seen already that there are robots now that look like people that can talk and move. I think he's going to put this idol of himself in the temple and he's going to say that, that that idol is going to say, everyone must worship this man. And, and it's going to speak. It says that it will speak and cause many who do not worship the image of the beast. This is not the beast speaking. This is the idol speaking. And so he's going to claim to be God. And anybody that doesn't worship him, he's going to try to kill them. That means anybody who's believed in Jesus Christ during the tribulation, they're going to have to run for their lives. Let me read one other thing it says. It says... Uh, he provides that no one could buy or sell anything unless they take the mark of the beast. Here is wisdom. Let him understand and calculate the number of the beast, for the number of that man is the number 666. The number of the beast is 666. And so what we think is going to happen is that in that day, somehow they're going to put a 666 either here or here, and if you don't have that mark, you can't buy or sell. Believers are not going to take the mark, and so they're going to be running for their lives because he's going to be trying to kill them. Look a little bit at Matthew 24. Look at verse 19. Look what he says. Woe to those who are pregnant. You know why? Because it's hard to run when you're pregnant. Those who are nursing babies in those days, it's harder. Pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. He says, just pray that it's good weather when you've got to run for your life. And then notice what he says, for there will be a great tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. It's called great tribulation. It's the final three and a half years. If you want to see it in detail, just read the book of Revelation chapter 6 through 19. Now remember, this is what we're talking about. Antichrist breaks the covenant, it's the abomination of desolation, puts his idol up in the temple, and for the next three and a half years, they're running for their lives. He's trying to kill every one of those who are believers. Now, I want you to understand, now he says this, he says, this the great tribulation, it's nothing has ever occurred like this before and never will occur again. It'll be the worst time in the history of mankind. Now, I've got something I want you to understand, that while the Antichrist is trying to kill believers, God is bringing judgment on the world. And it's happening especially in the last three and a half years. So, just, just you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to turn for you, and I'm going to read to you from the book of Revelation, and I'm going to read very quickly just part of the judgment of God on the earth. Revelation chapter 8, listen to this. 
the seven angels prepared, and the first tr- angel sounded his trumpet, and the first sounded, and there came hell and fire mixed with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all of the green grass was burned up, and another angel sounded, and there was burning fire, and it was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed, and a third angel sounded, that's in verse 10, and it says this thing called wormwood fell from the sky and it poisoned all the water and many died because the waters were made bitter. Then he says in chapter 9 that these locusts, these beings, these things are going to come up out of the ground and they're going to attack unbelie- people who have the mark of the beast. These beings will attack them and it says in those days men will seek death and not find it. And then in chapter 16, here's what he says is going to be happening on the earth. He says, first of all, there were, the seven bowls are poured out, the first bowl, and there were sores on everyone who had taken the mark of the beast. And then there was an angel poured out the bowl in the sea, and it became like blood, and every living thing in the sea died. And the third angel poured out his bowl, and all of the water on the earth and the springs died, and then uh, uh, was polluted in, in that. The fourth angel poured out upon the sun, and the sun got so hot it scorched people, and they blasphemed the name of God. And then finally, he says in verse 18, and there were flashes of lightning and sounds and thunder, and there was a great earthquake such as never been that has come upon the earth, so great an earthquake. All of this is going on at the same time the Antichrist is trying to kill believers on the face of the earth. And look what he says, and you're with me in verse 22, says, unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. When he says the days are cut short, there's there, there seven, year, seven years, three and a half years. It was long. If it was longer than three and a half years, if it was longer than the seven-year time period, nobody would be left. All would be dead. But he says he did it for the sake of the elect. By the way, the elect is the nation of Israel. The elect are the Jewish people, God's chosen people. He had, this is the time period for the nation of Israel to believe in the Messiah. That's the plan. That's the end of the age. Now, notice what he says concerning these false Christs and false prophets. He says, if anyone says to you, behold, here's the Christ, or there he is, don't believe him. He's not there. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. This is the warning for those who are in the tribulation. It says there will be false Christs and false prophets. And in Revelation 13, uh, 11 and 12, it says this prophet comes and he makes people worship the beast. And then he says he brings down signs. Fire comes down from heaven. He causes that. And there are all these signs and there are people who are looking at this and it's fooling people. It says, except it's not able to fool the elect, which is the nation of Israel who are trusting in him. And so he gives the warning. And then he says, behold, verse 25, I've told you all this in advance. He's saying, I've written this down, I've told you, so that those who are alive when this happens, and let me tell you, this is, this is a key thing. We're not going to be there, but you know what we're doing? We're going to put on our website, I know this is going to sound dumb for some, but on our website, we're going to put a little deal, a, 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 a link that says something like, if the church, if everybody, all these believers have disappeared off the face of the earth and you're left here, click on this thing, and we're going to give a message 
to tell them of what to do, to tell them to read chapter 24, to run for their lives, don't take the mark of the beast, believe in Jesus Christ. Because see, there are going to be people who are, who are not Christians, and when we're gone, they're left on the earth, and they'll be going through this. And that is when they need to put their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. And so we're going to do that. So he says, I told you in advance. And then he goes on to say, so if they say to you, behold, he's out in the wilderness. No, no, don't go out there. Behold, he's in the inner room. Don't believe that. Listen, you're not going to have to go look for Jesus when he comes. Let me just say that. You understand that? You're not looking for him when he comes. Notice, for just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Listen, when he comes, it's going to be like if you have a thunderstorm and you go out and there's lightning and it just flashes all across the sky and you go, wow, when Jesus comes, it's going to be like that because every knee is going to see him and every tongue is going to confess that he is the Lord and every knee is going to bow to him and he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and he's coming in righteousness and judgment and in power when he comes. And so you're not going to have to say, I don't know where he is. I think he's in one of the rooms. No, he's coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now let me show you something. I want you to turn there. I'm going to turn place for you. Look again at verses 27 and 28. Just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so will it be the coming of the Son of Man. And then look at verse 28. Wherever the, cor- the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. And you go, what in the world? Well, let me show I'm going to read it to you. Just listen to this. This is in Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to start reading at verse 11. This is Jesus coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, I want you to listen to carefully to what it says. I saw heaven open. This is John. He sees this. I see heaven open and a white horse, and he who sat on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. That's Jesus coming. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many crowns. His name is written that no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. He's coming in power. Listen to this. And the armies which are in heaven, that's going to be us, clothed in white linen, are following on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword that he will strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the wrath of God. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's him coming. Do you remember the verse about the vultures? Listen to this, the next verse. I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice to all the birds which fly in midheaven, come, assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of the mighty men and the flesh of the horses and all those that sit upon them and the flesh of all men, both free men, slaves, great and small." When Jesus comes, he is going to destroy and kill the unbelievers, the Antichrist and the false prophet and the unbelievers, and those bodies are going to be there, and these birds, those vultures, they're going to come eat all those bodies. And that's what Jesus says. And he says, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Now, next time, beginning at verse 29, we're going to actually see him coming. Jesus is going to talk about his coming on the side of the, of, the hill, of the Mount of Olives, he's going to tell the details. So we have seen. They ask him the question, when will the signs come in? When will there be the end of the age? 
and he tells them there's going to be a seven-year time period. Basically, he tells them there's going to be right in the middle of the Antichrist. It's going to do the abomination, desolation. People are going to run for their lives. They're going to be false Christ, false messiahs, all of those things. And then he's coming, and he's coming like the flash of lightning across the sky. He's coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And guess who's coming with him? We're coming with him on white horses. I am not much on horses, but I bet you I will enjoy riding that horse, right? Okay? Now, let me tell that the vultures, that's the birds for the Great Supper. Let's talk about some applications. We need to know how the end-time events fit together. Well, first of all, just understand that Jesus came the first time to die on the cross. That's the cross, and he died and rose again. And now we're in the church age. Then we're going to be raptured out and taken out. And then that final seven years of the Jews, 490, they've used up 483 right there. That final seven years will happen when the Antichrist makes a peace pact with Israel. Halfway through it, he breaks the peace pact, claims to be God. At the end of that, Jesus Christ comes as the King of kings, Lord of lords. He comes in righteousness and justice. His name is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. His name is the Word of God. He, uh, he's coming with a robe dipped in blood, and he's going to set up and rule a kingdom which will be for a thousand years. And then we'll, we'll get more details on this after the, what happens after the thousand years and the great white throne judgment and eternal state. We'll get that at some other time. All we're talking about today is this event right here. So understand that. Now, the second thing is understand this tribulation, the seven-year time period. First part, it makes the peace pact. goes for three and a half years. Uh, a lot of people are believing in Christ, but there's persecution and things. Halfway through, he puts his idol up, claims to be God, mark of the beast. He goes after and tries to kill everybody. It's called the great tribulation. He tries to kill... Un- uh, all the believers at the same time, great judgment is on the earth. So understand, in time events, you need to know. So because there's people who'll say things like, "Who I hope we don't go through tribulation." You can say, "No, no, no, you're not going to go through the tribulation." Here's how it fits together. You need to be able to do that. Second application: Let's realize there'll be a time of judgment and suffering on the earth. We call it the tribulation. We won't be there, but it's a time for the nation of Israel to turn to Jesus as Messiah and Savior. Now we want to be faithful to proclaim the salvation message because there are people that if we if we go out right now. He could come anytime. Listen, Jesus could come anytime, and there are going to be people that we know that if they don't trust in Christ, they're going to be left to go into all of that. So let's be faithful to proclaim the salvation message. And remember this, that all will see Jesus Christ when he returns. Listen, in the rapture, when he comes to get us, it's going to be the moment of twinkling and I will be gone. Nobody's going to see it. All of a sudden, we're just going to disappear. People are going to go, what? Where'd they go? You don't, listen, I hope you're not here when we're gone, okay? If you are, just remember what we've taught today, run for your life, okay? Trust Jesus and run for your life. But in the second coming of Christ, everybody's going to see him. And, and so if, if you've never put your faith in Christ, today is the day, put your, right where you're sitting, you can believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're listening, watching by, YouTube, by the uh, Facebook Live or something, listen, if you've never put your faith in Christ, this is the time. He died on the cross to pay for your sins and rose again, and he offers the gift of eternal life. Because if you do not trust in Christ and the rapture happens, you will be in the tribulation time period. For us, let's serve him now. Let's proclaim the message. Let's serve our Savior and King now. So next week... We're going to see Jesus coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as taught by himself right there.